this morning, so thankful you're here. You're not here by chance. You're here for a purpose, here for a reason. Uh, God has brought us together so that uh, we not only might fellowship with one another, but that we would, we would fellowship around His table in the remembrance of His sacrifice and around His Word. Uh, this Word that we need for our daily living, for the, for the bread that we really need to be eating. For we cannot live on this world's bread alone, but we need to live on, the every, on every single word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so that's what we seek to do here. We seek to teach the whole authority of, of the word of God as it applies to our lives today. And I usually have a joke. I just really want to preach. I've been wanting to preach for all week now. Uh, this passage means a lot to me uh, because it's a challenge uh, that I need to make in my life, and I believe that as, as we get into it together, that this will be a challenge that needs to become a part of, of all of our lives, uh, not just every now and again, but, but daily. It needs to be something that we stress and strive and strain for uh, to become more Christ-like in this particular area. So let us now pray and ask God's blessing to be over our time together. Father, thank you for all of your many blessings, but none more than Jesus. And so it's in His name that we come, it's in His name that we gather, it's in His name that, we, that we, we worship You for what You have done for us through Him. We are so thankful for the life that has been given us through Jesus, Lord, in, in, in our small, in our seemingly sometimes insignificant ways, we just want to return a bit of thanks. We want to say thank You, Lord, with our voices we want to say thank you, Lord, with our hearts, but we also want to say thank you, Lord, with our lives for what you have done for us through him. And Lord, a way that we want to say thanks is to open up your word right now, to listen to what it has to say, and to not just hear it, Lord, but, but to do it. Father, that we not only might be blessed from, from the result of our taking time to listen and partake in, in the sharing of your word, but Lord, that this world might be blessed as a result of what we've heard and now seek to live out. I thank you for each and every soul that's gathered here today, and I pray that you'll speak to all of us, uh, myself included yet again in this passage. Remind us of your truths and help us to walk in your ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you please to open with me to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, beginning in verse 22, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's quite all right. You can look in a bulletin or you can look up to the screen. The text will be there for you this morning. First Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 22, it reads like this. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not out of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people, I think it's telling me that its batteries are about dead. Can we take just a momentary pause? Are you all okay with that? Somebody want to tell a joke? Uh, no. <laughs> it's all right. I don't want to hear it. No. <laughs> That's what she.
Don't you just love technology? It can really embarrass you sometimes. You know, it's really funny. This is the truth. I was just sitting there before I came up, and I was saying my last little bit of prayer, and, uh, and I was thinking to myself, after this morning, I need to put new batteries in my body pack. It's been a while since I've replaced them. Apparently, uh, that was more than just a notion. I should have acted on that right then. So, I'm wearing pink, but I'm not the Energizer Bunny. That is absolutely true. My uh, good vibes aren't going to be enough to power that body pack. Let me, uh, let me start uh, back from the beginning of this text and uh, just let God refresh us all over again. Now that you have been purified by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, pure spiritual milk, you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. I can tell you why the devil is fighting this this morning through this little body pack. It's because I prayed before I came up here, Lord, please help me in this area. I realized this morning, even in just a brief momentary action and thought that, uh, Lord, just help me here. Lord, help me here. Uh, this is a prayer that we all need to pray. Some days, some days more than others. But I believe it's a prayer that we should pray every day. I want you to listen to these words again from verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves. Now that you have purified yourselves. This verse is a transition from what Peter was talking about in verses prior. Holiness, if you remember that discussion from last week. This is what he's talking about in verses prior. Now he's speaking of the present verses building upon this idea of holiness when he says you should have love for one another. Because Peter made use of the word now, he means for his present words, this command to love one another, to be built on his call for Christian holiness. Essentially, not only does holiness lead to love, holiness demands love. Because of how he introduces this passage in saying, now that you have purified yourselves, not only does holiness lead to love, but holiness demands love. Let us look back to verses prior and to the call of holiness that we studied last week, verses 14 through 16 that say this, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. 
we should and we must obey all of Scripture. But when we read words quoted in the New Testament from the Old Testament, we should pay extra close attention. So is the case that we have in verse 16, where he quotes the Old Testament from Isaiah chapter, uh, or excuse me, Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. He quotes it and he says in the New Testament in his letter, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. In God, in His character, is holiness and perfection. In God's character is holiness, and holiness is perfection. In stark contrast, though, to holiness is sin, which reigns within the hearts of men, as God is holy, for man devoid of God, we are sinful. It's built in our nature. It's, it's just part of who we are. Yet God would so have it that despite our human nature, that we might not only know the nature of His holiness, but that we, that we would make His holiness our own. In our human nature devoid of God, we find these fruits of the flesh. Hate, indifference, despair, anxiety, Rudeness, evil, harshness, an unreliable nature, abrasiveness, and an undisciplined spirit. This is what we find within the fruits of our flesh, devoid of God. And it sounds pretty terrible. Would you like to spend an afternoon with somebody who has all these qualities? I know I don't. But without the Lord, this is who we are. These are many of our characteristics. Without God's help, we can be good in some areas, but we will have trouble being good in all. God would so have it that we would leave this default nature of who we are. And that by His Spirit, that we could rise above these things and no longer produce the fruits of the flesh, but produce the fruits of the Spirit. You've heard these before. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what God would have for us. And they stand in stark contrast to who sin makes us. Who in our nature we default back to, that, that we become without the Lord's help. But do you notice the difference of, of all these fruits of the Spirit? Do, do you see that in people? Do you see these sometimes in yourself, whether on one side or the other? If we are going down through that list and we were to put our name there, could we say that Cody is love, that he has joy, that within him is peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm talking about me. Put, put your name there. Because if it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's, it's then the fruits of the flesh. 
But with God's help, He has made it possible for us to be able to live by the fruits of the Spirit. And it starts with one primary fruit that leads to the rest becoming possible in our life. And that's love. Love comes first in this list because love is what makes the rest of the fruits possible. Because if it were not for the love of God, we would not know or have the opportunity to experience His holiness. We would not have the opportunity to love God or have the capacity to love others the way that they should be loved. Listen to this wonderful passage from 1 John that reads like this, Beloved, let us love one another, because love comes from God. Everyone who has love has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. John goes on to say that this is how, we, uh, how God's love was revealed among us. That God sent His one and only Son so that we might live through Him. And love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. What challenging words. But just wait for these. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God's love remains in us and His love is perfected in us. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God remains in us and His love is perfected in us. Church, we experience God's love when we love one another. We begin to see what it looks like for God to love us when we love one another. And I need to tell you that sometimes that's extremely difficult, isn't it? Sometimes we think that some people are just unlovable. Somebody may think that about us. At some point in time in our life, we have might have done something that, that caused someone to question their love for us. We might question someone's love for us because of something that they have done. But regardless of how we feel, regardless of how we think we should feel, church, we know that from these Scriptures that our love for God is not only directly proportional but most accurately identified in our love for one another. Identified between ourselves and by the world who looks on to us. I think a wonderful old hymn and church camp vespers and campfire songs identifies this notion best when it says, we are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit we are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our 
love. Again, we know from the Scripture that our love for God is directly proportional and most accurately identified in our love for one another between ourselves gathered here today and also the world that looks on to us. We can sing songs so easily like, like this one. They'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. We'll know we are Christians by our love. We, we can sing these things almost just running off a, a sense of I'm just singing just because everybody else is. How easy it is to sing a chorus like this, but, but do we always live this, this notion with ease? It's easy to sing this song, but do we live this notion with ease? You know, such great truth and, and a wonderful prayer is contained within this song that, that we should never stop singing. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored. And we pray that our unity will, will one day be restored. If we love one another. This week, uh, I was listening to Joy FM, a wonderful Christian radio station, and uh, they were they do a devotional periodically throughout the day, and and uh, there was a devotional that came on by the late great preacher Adrian Rogers, if you've ever heard of him before, and uh, he made the following comments that I just I, I had to jot down the scripture in the title of the devotional because it fit so perfectly exactly what we are talking about. He starts off by quoting Psalms 133.1 that says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then he makes these comments. Do you know what God wants from you today? Reconciliation. That's far more important than singing in the choir, preaching a sermon, serving in the nursery, or giving an offering. When we learn this, that is, when we learn reconciliation, God is going to bring great revival into our churches. Revival always begins when people begin to confess their faults to one another and pray for one another and forgive one another. Revival isn't raising the roof with a lot of emotion. It is getting the walls down within the people. It is not saying, I am going to get right with God but it is saying, I want to get right with my brothers and sisters so that I might be right with God. When we are reconciled, revival will come and rejoicing will surely follow. And not any kind of rejoicing, but specifically there will be Holy Spirit joy and rejoicing. When you know that there is nothing between your soul and the Savior and nothing between your soul, and a brother or a sister. That leads to joy unspeakable in our lives. When I heard this, all I could say was amen, but quickly felt the challenge that flowed over my life. I just need to ask us, could, could you imagine what would happen not only among ourselves as Christians, but what would happen in this world if we took Peter at his word and his command in verse 22 to have sincere love for each other. Loving one another deeply from the heart. Could you 
imagine what it would look like, not just among us, but to the world looking on. I can see it. I see it as Adrian Rogers said, it's revival and it's nothing less. This is proven true from the witness of the early church in the book of Acts. It says that the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Church, this is not a far-fetched idea. This is entirely possible for those who have been born again, for those who have allowed the imperishable ways of God, the fruits of the Spirit, to grow and choke out the ugly, perishable fruits of this world that so desperately try to grow in our lives. And it only happens by one way. By gathering around the Word. By gathering around the Word. By hearing God's Word speak, the living and enduring Word of God. By hearing Him speak and being devoted to it, so in such a way we might make His character, His holiness, ours. See, Peter writes these words to a growing church because he saw from the start of the church that as people joined in unity, first through devotion to the teachings of the apostles, to the devotion of the Word, people would be changed. And the world would take notice. It says that they gained the favor the early church did of all the people. Not just some of the people. Not just believers. Not just people on the edge. But all people. Whether they were believers or not. All people lived in respect of those who lived for and in Jesus Christ. And I believe it was because of this, because of Jesus' words in John chapter 15 and verse 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Church, we need to stay connected to the vine. Connected to the Lord and to His Word. Because He's our lifeline. He is the source of bearing good fruit that will not one day fade away. That will one day not lose its flavor. Not lose its taste. But it will always be good for all people who will come and to pick off of our lives. When they come to see what it is that's so special about us, we can give them a taste of just what it is that God has done for us, if we stay connected to Christ, we shall endure despite our withering nature, 
despite the fact that the grass withers and the flowers fade and fall, if Christ is within us, we shall endure. Despite this ever-changing, ever God's Word within us shall cause us to endure, to look bright and fresh and appealing to a world that is losing its touch. See, church, if Christ is alive in our hearts, our, our fruits of love will, will stay ripe and healthy. They will not rot. They will not rot into to hate and indifference. These things the world says that they don't have, but you look at it and see that they have nothing less but hate and indifference. We sing all the world needs now is love, sweet love. You know, you've heard that. But what kind of love are they talking about? Because the kind of love that, that the world expresses and experiences is, is conditional. Love on, on their terms, of their agreement. But we know that God's love is, is unconditional. And that from us, they can taste and see that the Lord is good. From us, God gives the world an opportunity to get a glimpse into what it's like to be in Him. That they might taste and see from the fruit that we bear that the Lord is good. In Christ, it is possible to love one another if we put first in our lives and first in our focus the love of God that first saved us. Jesus has told us a new command I give you to love one another I, and, and love as I have loved you so that you must love one another. Because by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. A lot of love in that passage. A lot of saying, love one another. Because within these verses is contained hope beyond division. There may have been or may be division in your life, division in your family, Division in your relationships, maybe there's division somewhere within the church. But in God's love, He has taught us how to love and forgive those who have wronged us unconditionally. He has taught us what His love looks like for us unconditionally. He has taught us that so that we might do the same for one another. The Apostle Peter, uh, Paul has said that we need to bear with each other and forgive one another if any of us has a grievance against someone, so forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's a high calling and a high task, but it's something that God calls us to. I've said it before other places. I don't know if I've said it here, but you know, just imagine you're walking through an inner city, and I've, I've, been, to, I've been to some of them, and there are places of them that are quite rough. Anybody ever been there before? And you're walking down through the streets. They say, don't walk in this part of town at this time of night. Don't walk over here. Don't get involved with that. Don't you dare talk to them because they'll try to rope you in before too long. They've got you hooked. 
You know, there are dangerous parts of cities. So if I'm walking through an inner city and I'm going through this part of town that I was told not to go to so I could get to another side of town and I see a back alley brawl going on, do you think that I'm going to go and participate in that? Would you? No. We're not going to look at that back alley brawl and go, that looks like fun. Let me go get involved in that. That looks exciting. That looks enjoyable. I'm going to go see what I can do. We are not going to do that. We are going to walk on our merry way. Church, when the world looks at us as God's people, when they look at our lives, when they look at our witness, do we look like something that they want to be involved in or do we look like something they want to walk away from? Think about that. When they look at us in our lives, do we look like something that the world wants to be involved with? Or do they look at us and think, no, I think I'm just going to pass that by. I'm going to go to something else that, that is seemingly a little bit better. The church as a whole in the world, I would say, has not always done the best job. But I can't change what churches that are, we think, doing things wrong and I think are doing things wrong are doing. We, we can't change that. We can't change somebody else's witness. In fact, Jesus had something to say about that that we should not focus on the speck in our brother's eye until we take care of the plank in ours. Let me ask you this a question. Are we dealing with the plank in our eye? Are we looking at our witness? Are we so disappointed in the witness of the church as a whole? Or are we disappointed in ourselves? Are we seeking to bear that good fruit in our lives instead of focusing on the, the bad fruit that may be produced in other places? I can't control what the rest of the world is doing. I can barely control what's going on around my life. I have a limited control at that. But what I can control and what I can participate in is the efforts that I am taking to try to become closer to my Savior. To make Him the Lord and the Master of my life. I, can not, I cannot ask somebody to forgive me, but I can forgive them. I mean, or excuse me, I can ask somebody to forgive me, I can't make them forgive me. But I can forgive somebody else. I can forgive them whether they come and ask me or not. And you can do the very same thing. Church, above everything else, we need to seek unity and hope beyond division. That we might rid ourselves of all malice and all deceit, of hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And like newborn babies, as Peter says in this passage we have read, that we need to crave pure spiritual milk so that by it we might grow up into our salvation. Loving one another is one of the ways that Peter says we need to grow up. Loving each other and, and learning what it means to be of a forgiving spirit is one of the ways that Peter says we need to grow up into the salvation we have received. And we need to grow up because we have tasted the goodness of God. We have come to know it for ourselves. And so, because we know it for ourselves, may we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. May we make every effort in our personal lives, in our church gathering, in our families, in our fellowships, that we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. When I was studying for this and I was looking at, at different aspects of division, I saw it quoted this week by Winston Churchill that when there is no enemy within, the enemies outside cannot hurt you. 
when there is no enemy within, the enemies outside cannot hurt you. I don't want to end on his words because Jesus' words are more significant. Though I think he had improved a good thought that Jesus develops. And I believe that, that this passage of his applies to all challenges of life. That with man, this is impossible. Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. It may be impossible for you to forgive. It may be impossible for you to get over this. It may be impossible for me to get over this or that, to get beyond what hurt we have in our lives. It may seem impossible for us, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Even the greatest lines of division that have been drawn between us and someone else, they can be erased. Because with God, all things are possible. And not only do we need this in our personal life, but church, we're told that the love of God is not in us if there is hate for someone else in our life. Not only do we need this, but the world needs it too. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day and all of your many blessings. For your love, your grace, and your mercy that you have bestowed upon us and, and poured out richly in our lives. Lord, we, we just thank you that, that you have forgiven us unconditionally. So Lord, help us to forgive others unconditionally. Lord, that's a high calling and a high task. But you tell us over and over and over and over again your words to bear your fruit. Lord, to get rid of life and malice and hardships and pain. Put those things aside and focus on You. Lord, I know in my life that when I stop focusing on You, I focus on the pain, I focus on the hurt, I focus on resentment and anger. But Lord, I know that when I look at You, I don't see those things anymore. Lord, I don't think this is just my experience. I know from Your Word that this is our entire experience. So Lord, help us lay down whatever lines of division that may have been drawn before Your feet, that by Your blood they can be covered and erased forever. Teach us, Lord, to forgive as You first forgave us. Because Lord, not only do we need it, but Lord, we know the world needs it as well. Father, I pray for any of us who are struggling that you will help us in this area of our life. Pull us together so that the world might see that there is hope for them, even beyond things as difficult as division. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read you a little story I came across this week, talking about a husband and a wife who were driving across the country with one another, and it says, while we were driving through the garden spot of America, the beautiful San Quentin Valley of California, and as the bus topped to rise in the road, those aboard looked out on a gorgeous, huge, well-cared-for farm. And in the garden was a family of five people holding hands, mother, father, and three children. The strange thing was, they had birds sitting all over them. A closer look revealed that the family was a family of scarecrows 
put up to scare the birds away from the vegetables. Why weren't the birds scared? I don't know. But I suspect it has something to do with the fact that the scarecrows were a family. A family is a disarming unit. A family dispels fear. Five people holding hands and happily making their way through each day encounter far fewer fears than one person fighting their battles alone. Birds are smart. One scarecrow with clothes flapping in the wind could give a bird a fright. But a family? Not so much. Church, we are the family of God. And He desires that we be in tandem, not only with one another, but in tandem with His Spirit. And forgiving one another is how we do this. That the love of God might be on full display in our hearts, not just for the world to see, but for us to be felt. How can we expect God to love us when we don't love each other? It's a high calling and a high task. It's something that I was reminded of that I need to pray for daily. But I don't think I'm alone in that. I want to start this invitation by offering an opportunity for anybody who, who needs to forgive somebody. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's here in the church. Maybe it's in a workplace. Maybe it's somebody from years gone by. Something you haven't let go. And you haven't given to God that you haven't in your heart forgiven them of what you feel like is their sins against you. But we know from the Lord's model prayer, when the disciples asked Jesus how we should pray, He told us in part, help us, Lord, to forgive others as You have forgiven us. It's a prayer we need to pray. Maybe it's a prayer you need to pray this morning. If it is, I just simply ask that you listen to the Lord and allow Him to continue to move on your heart as He has started this morning. If you would like to come up to the altar and pray, nobody knows who that person is but you and God. Lay that burden down at the feet of the Lord. You can even do that from where you are. Just do it, though, so that you might have nothing hindering you from fully experiencing the love of God today. If you stand in opposition to the Lord, if you haven't asked Him to forgive you of your sins against Him, I would beg and plead that you do that this morning. Do not leave this place in contrition against the Lord because if our time were to come to an end now, before we accepted Him, where would we stand? Because the Bible's very clear, heaven is for the redeemed and the forgiven and hell is for those who are not. Where we spend eternity apart from God, wishing that we had loved Him as He loved us. I ask, is, is this you? Come today and begin to let God's salvation story become yours and work out your salvation, as Paul said, with fear and trembling in your heart. Move yourself toward baptism, the forgiveness of sins, and walk in the newness of life He offers us in His death, burial, and resurrection. And if there's just something on your heart in your life, maybe it's a physical need, an emotional need, some sort of spiritual need, if there's just something in your life that that is causing you pain and grief, maybe it's in the life of someone you love, may you come and offer that to the Lord today. Ask Him to take it on your behalf or theirs, that He might begin to do a mighty work that only He can do. Offer that invitation to anyone who accepted as we stand and we sing.
jealous for me.